Good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut any cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. They are, Robert. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Development Institute, or NACDI's All My Relations Art Gallery, located at 1414 East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Check out the opening of their new exhibit tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. and register on their website for the artist workshop at allmyrelationsarts.org. Yes, yes, yes. And we have uh, Robert Lilligren, the CEO of NACDI, uh, Native American Community Development Institute, on now. And what a great week of celebrations. And uh, Robert, before we get too into it, uh, congratulations. And I want to uh, play a clip from the lieutenant governor about her week, and then we can discuss that and then and then talk a little bit more about what happened uh, the last few days here uh, in uh, Minneapolis and all over the Twin Cities and Turtle Island. So if you don't mind, Robert, let's play uh, Lieutenant Governor. Sounds good. Bonjour and happy fall. I'm thrilled to be giving this update after celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day this week as the official state holiday for the first time here in Minnesota. Indigenous people have always been here and will always be here. And Minnesota wouldn't be Minnesota without our indigenous selves and communities. So miigwech, pidamiaye, thank you for showing up as your full, beautiful native selves every day, making your voices heard and helping us all to make our community a better place. It was a blast and an honor to attend several events across the state to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. I began the day on the shores of Bidet Makaska with my family, the governor, and community to participate in our annual sunrise ceremony. After, I visited the American Indian OIC in Minneapolis to celebrate Indigenous voter registrations and the efforts to make voting a tradition. Thanks to this past legislative session, voting in Minnesota is more accessible than ever before and a powerful way to make sure that we are seen, heard, valued, and counted. Later in the afternoon, the governor and I joined the Indian Health Board to celebrate the future site of the Mananadiwewe Wellness Campus, a community health care center that will not only tend to our bodies and our minds, but also to our spirits. To end the day, I traveled to Red Wing to celebrate the Wopita gift presentation of a mural from the Red Wing community to the Prairie Island community as part of their Honoring Dakota project. The event represented the culmination of the work between the city of Red Wing and the Prairie Island Indian community on a path towards healing. I was proud to be there to celebrate their productive collaboration and grateful to be with my relatives from Tintawita. This Indigenous Peoples Day and every day, we honor the rich tapestry of Native culture and celebrate the diversity and enduring spirit of our Native communities. Let us also acknowledge the legacy of boarding schools and remember the Native children who were taken from us far too soon. 
In their honor, we will never stop uplifting the native traditions and customs and culture that these schools tried to strip away from us. That's why Governor Walls signed a proclamation declaring September 30th the Day of Remembrance for children who died while attending United States boarding schools. People need to know our nation's entire history, and once they do, it will change how we start addressing these issues. But despite our trauma, there is so much to celebrate about our people today. We've made incredible strides in representation across sectors, from entertainment to government to the judicial system. We have record number of Native leaders across the United States. And in Minnesota, we've continued to build trust with one another, investing in Native language revitalization, healthcare access, housing, and more. And representation is power. And across the country, we're seeing the potential of Native leadership to enact meaningful change and protect our sovereignty. And that's why the governor hosted the fifth annual Governor and Tribal Leaders Summit in September to work with tribal leaders on advancing our shared priorities and move forward towards a future that lifts all people up who live here. And at the end of September, the governor and I visited the Lake Lake Band of Ojibwe for our 10th government to government visit on a tribal nation during our administration. We met with the tribal council and had an opportunity to tour some sites that are a priority to the tribe. The most recent bonding bill included funding for the tribe's new wellness center. I look forward to returning and visiting once it is completed. Our work to improve government-to-government relations with the 11 tribal nations in Minnesota is happening 365 days a year, but these visits provide even more opportunities to build these partnerships and learn the specific priorities of each separate sovereign government. And as we gear up for the 2024 legislative session, know that we want to hear your voice. Don't hesitate to reach out to your local leaders or to our office to share how we can make Minnesota work better for you and for your family. Because when we work together, we can be best, the best state for Indigenous people and communities, the best state for our children, the best state for our elders, the best state to learn, work, and live your life how you choose. Miigwech, Pedamiaye. Until next time, back over to you. Hey, thanks, Lieutenant Governor. Wow, uh, Robert, what a, what a pretty powerful stuff there. It was powerful. And it was great to see Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, my wider sister, everywhere on indigenous people's day here on monday she gets around i will say so yeah it was a great day and good to see you two robert and Haley, around everywhere uh it's so much events yeah we just really have a community of plenty here right there's so much to do you can't get to everything Exactly. Hey, and I want to give a quick shout out for, uh, and I don't know if you can tell the shirt. Uh, I know our listening audience can't see the shirt I'm wearing, but I I think we should talk a little bit about that. I don't want to uh, cut into your segments here, but I really want to give a big congratulations to you and your organization. If you don't mind uh, talking a little bit about uh, the award you got. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you're wearing the shirt. So for those of you who can't see Robert Pilot, he is wearing our bright pink Make Voting a Tradition shirt. Uh, we have a new color each year, and this year the color is pink. And I must say we're getting a great positive feedback on the color choice. And so Make Voting a Tradition has been around for about nine years now, and it's a cross-generational effort to engage Native people, not just at the ballot boxes and in voting, which is, of course, important, but in the political process and in broader civic engagement of holding our elected officials accountable, engaging in policy change. And 
And Make Boating a Tradition received an award on Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, it was the uh, Secretary of State's Community uh, Service Award. And it, uh, it is a national award. And it was presented at one of our events, our uh, Indigenous Peoples uh, Voter Registration Day. And uh, our Secretary of State in the state of Minnesota, Steve Simon, came and presented it, said some wonderful things about NACTI and make boating a tradition, and really recognized the successes that we were having here. So for this National Association of Secretary of State's Award, uh, the Secretary of State had to nominate us, which he did, and, uh, and it was just really an honor. Yeah, congratulations. And Jolene uh, is such a doer, and ever since I've known her and working with NACTI, uh, she's just been um, taking no prisoners in a good way. I think she's really like the right person for the part. For the part. Oh, my gosh. So Robert's talking about Jolene Jones, who is our statewide coordinator for Make Voting a Tradition, and I call her our secret weapon. She has reached into community like nobody's business, and and she has really turned out, turned folks out. And this year alone, we're uh, ahead of last year for voter registration. And this is an off year. We have a, some local elections like here in Minneapolis, and we're really gearing up for 2024, which of course is going to be in a huge election year. So, so props to Jolene for her incredible work. Absolutely. Hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren, uh, CEO of Native American Community Development Institute in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And we're going to talk a little politics and the things coming up here in the next segment. Uh, stay with us, please. This is Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. And we're back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by JS Bean Factory off Randolph Avenue in St. Paul. Native-owned, bringing us the best coffee that keeps us awake. Hey, Robert, we've got our last pair of tickets to give away right now for the Thursday, October 19th, uh, showing at 7.30 p.m. performance for the people at the Guthrie Theater. Again, these tickets are for the Thursday, October 19th performance. So if you want to win this pair, go ahead and give us a call right now. The number is 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Hey, I can't wait to see that play. A lot of great things happening all over the Twin Cities and all over the state and Turtle Island. Uh, can't wait to see the play. And I think uh, we're going to book uh, West Studi on the show uh, next week. So that'll be exciting and talk mostly about the play. But I'll, I'll be asking questions about Reservation Dogs because, you know, I'm a, a junkie for that, too. I'll just slip a few in there. But, hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren and... You know, we like to spend some time with Robert and talk over uh, what's going on. And I, I, we can maybe just touch a little bit, too, if you want, uh, your busy day on Indigenous Peoples Day, too. Uh, you were running around as much as the gov- uh, lieutenant governor. Uh, not quite as much as her, but but I guess I don't have the resources supporting me. And I just love how she was everywhere. Yeah, it was great. We started with the sunrise ceremony, Saya there on Bede Makoska, which is 
one of the premier lakes of the city of Minneapolis. And a few years ago, went through a significant name change away from an offensive slave-owning Confederate officer to, uh, uh, it's closer to its original name, the Dakota name, Bede Makaska. It was site of the Cloudman Village. And it was it's so significant and it's so beautiful. It's, it's really my favorite Indigenous People's Day event. And then that circle gets bigger every year. And so one of our community members suggests that we set a target to have a circle that goes all the way around the lake. Uh, yeah. And so we're going to start figuring out how many people it takes to fill that two miles or whatever it is and, and get them there. So that was great. You know, we had the voter registration event. That was wonderful. The land blessing for our new Indian Health Board clinic. Yeah. It was gorgeous. The grass dancers who blessed the, the site and, and the governor was there. The governor yeah. and lieutenant governor were at the sunrise ceremony, at the land blessing. It's and it's a state holiday now, right? And, and exactly, so this is for the first time, so it was really special. Well, I know Haley was hanging out with me, and she was kind of blown away that the governor knew my name, and <laughs> I, I kind of am blown away too because that's a lot of names he's got to learn. And I know he's been on the yeah. show a couple times, and we've, yeah. but we've been, you know, running into him in a good way for quite a few years. Oh yeah, here, here, yeah. He, uh, he probably mistook you for me, Robert. Yeah, so that's why <laughs> he knew your name. But uh, yeah, no, he's in the community, you know, and you know, I might not always agree with his positions, but you got to agree he has been one of the most effective governors, both now that we have total democratic control over our state government, and even when it was divided, he he got mm-hmm. stuff done, he took care of the people. You know, he's just, he's kind of a, he's a decent guy. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit with Arvina yesterday and I got to give a quick shout out to Haley for taking the rest of the show because I did the show live from, uh, target field and, um, we had Arvina Martin on and we talked a little bit about what's happening in Israel and, um, with Hamas and, uh, all that. It's just, our prayers are out to all the victims and these governments need to, or, I don't even know about governments, but uh, they need to, like, be peaceful and quit killing civilians. Right. It feels like a real loss of humanity, right, what's yeah. going on there. And it's atrocious. It's it's upsetting. And, and, and then folks who try to use this really hideous moment where people are suffering and dying to divide us, right, and to mm-hmm. kind of put us into different different camps and different places when really we need to be coming together in love, peace, healing right mm-hmm. now. And so to just kind of tone down the rhetoric a little and come together as people and lift up our humanity. Yeah. I just got to say, allegedly, when I say this to you, Robert, and you don't have to respond to this, but I'm just saying, if you follow the information it leads back to Trump and uh, all the things that he, all the secrets he had. And, um, you know, because they have that dome of protect, protection and that was easily um, bypassed. And uh, so, I mean, everything's going to come out someday. That's all I have to say. And you don't have to. Well, and it's a little controversial. Well, I hope everything comes out someday, Robert. And I guess what I would say is it, it's concerning enough that there are dots there that can be connected. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, now maybe about the the, the caucus, the, the Do Nothing Caucus here uh, nationally. Um, heard it called a lot of a lot of things, but uh, I, I won't get into that right now. But uh, Speaker of the House, what what the heck? You know, these times in need right now, are we giving aid to who needs aid, our help, uh, because we don't have a, a working government? Right. I mean, it's it's so harsh and so tragic and so such an inappropriate time. If it weren't so bad, it would be laughable, right? It's comedic yeah. what's going on there. And a party with um, majority control of the House of Representatives cannot pick a speaker, cannot do the uh, country's business because of that. They need it's a constitutional office. They need to have a speaker to do business. And so right now with what's going on uh, in Gaza and we need response, what's going on in this country. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be as painful as the 15 ballots that it took to elect Representative McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. And so I don't know where the give's going to happen, but I don't see that caucus holding together with enough votes to elect a speaker. You know, I like our conversations, too, and they're pretty straightforward. And I feel like uh, mainstream media and uh, is just not got it. They're giving all this, uh, I don't want to say publicity, but all this uh, fake news or fake uh, statements or not true statements uh, out there. And they don't really call them on it. I mean, this was a Republican uh, failure, not the Democrats. You know, and the Democrats voted the way they should have because, well, you know, of the way he acted after January 6th. And there's more and more things that uh, we didn't it wasn't up to save uh, the Democrats to save them. Of course it wasn't. And it amazes me that the Republicans try to point fingers at the Democrats. And, you know, you have people like uh, Representative Matt Gates from Florida and his ilk who led that charge and really partnered with the Democrats to always oust mccarthy and and i i i think governing is the art of compromise right and in this divided uh uh congress that we have it's just so little room for that and i still feel like there's somewhere uh where there can be a bipartisan compromise to put a speaker in place and and see some democratic priorities uh, lift it up and maybe rebalance the membership on committees or something, because I don't really see 200, now it's 217, we're down a vote, they don't need to get 218, but I don't see 217 Republicans holding together, and the Democrats have no reason to divide without some kind of negotiation and compromise in place. All right, I'll say it, the Chaos Caucus. All right. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, hey, fair enough, fair game. You what know. the heck? You know, I mean, and it really, I say this over and over again because, you know, I do some business in Wisconsin, too, and uh, with with, uh, uh, governmental stuff, uh, and I am just so grateful to live in Minnesota. I always have Mm -hmm. been, but so much now and so lucky, and, uh, you know, when we're we're getting out the vote and we're really going to have to to push it again to maintain and... um, Uh, you know, Gen Z's are, they're, they're sick of this. And, uh, you know, us boomers are dying out. They're outnumbering us and that's good. So save us, Gen Z's, please save us. Only you can help us. 
And we're trying. Uh, I think so, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, you know, I think there's an opportunity <laughs> here to lift up states like Minnesota, Michigan, that have Democratic leadership and how much is getting done here and how much, how people are being taken care of, right? And so that can be an example for for the rest of the country, really. And, and NATO votes are going to matter. Yeah. In many states, NATO votes are enough to tip the elections, to decide the elections. So people actually care about our votes now and are seriously engaging reservation and urban Indian communities to to engage. Well, and I think with the two-party system, we have to live with the two-party system, but there's one party that I believe um, uh, that will bend uh, in a sense of be be able to, to be flexible and talk about things, and then there's another party that's not. And I think you get the Democrats in, we can now push them in a direction too, I think. Right. I mean, uh, ideologues are not very effective governors. You know, they don't govern well, right? And now when you have a party who has mainstreamed white supremacy, has mainstreamed Nazism, it's terrifying. It should be terrifying for everyone and certainly terrifying for indigenous folks. So let's get on. Uh, absolutely. Hey, I just want to congratulate you again. Uh, what a great, uh, maybe next week we'll, we'll play Steve, uh, Steve's uh, speech, Steve uh, Simon, because yeah, that was right on. Cool. I didn't want to cut into our conversation because I really like to hear what you have to say. And uh, we talk about a lot of th- different things. So thanks again, Robert Lilligren, for stopping in as usual. And uh, keep up the great work. We'll be right back after. All right, this Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. In this critical time for Indian country, voting is crucial to protecting the land, water, and communities. Voting creates collective power in securing our planet's future amid climate chaos. Engage in personal conversations with loved ones to ensure they are making informed voting choices. Register to vote. And don't forget that 16- and 17-year-olds can pre-register to vote in Minnesota. NACTI is asking us to stand together and make voting a tradition. Go to NACTI.org to learn more and make your pledge to vote. The Guthrie Theater presents For the People, an irreverent new comedy born of the Twin Cities Native community. In the play, April Dakota dreams of opening a wellness center on Franklin Avenue to serve the Native community. She's counting on a grant to make it happen, but when her presentation goes sideways, she's forced to make a decision that puts the community and her culture at risk. On stage now through November 12th. Tickets at GuthrieTheater.org. That's through November 12th. GuthrieTheater.org. At Metro State University, change the world your way. Students learn from expert instructors in high-demand degree programs, including healthcare, technology, cybersecurity, teaching, and business. As one of the most diverse universities in Minnesota, Metro State is a learning community dedicated to equity, inclusion, and anti-racism. Explore 60-plus high-quality bachelor's degree programs at Metro State University's open house events in person October 17th and online October 19th. Sign up at metrostate.edu slash open house. Know your power. Metro State University. In recognition of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, this message is brought to you by Strong Hearts Native Helpline, a culturally appropriate domestic and sexual violence helpline for Native American and Alaska Natives. Advocates provide free support and advocacy 24-7. 
Call or text 1-844-762-8483. That's 1-844-7NATIVE. Or chat online at strongheartshelpline.org. Safe, anonymous, confidential, 24-7. Join Twin Cities Quorum as they celebrate their 30th annual National Coming Out Day luncheon. This inspirational and transformational event gives voice to the power of living openly, honestly, and with authenticity at work, in our families, and in our faith and across our lives. The realities of living an authentic life are deeper than just being out. We all have many layers of identity, and we must work together to create a world where people can bring their whole self to everything they do. The National Coming Out Day Luncheon serves as a celebration of who we are individually and together. Reserve your tickets today for Friday, October 13th. This year's National Coming Out Day Luncheon will be at the Minneapolis Convention Center in Minneapolis. The Marketplace Expo opens at 10 a.m., and the luncheon will begin at 11.45. Tickets are available to members for $60 or non-members for $75. Learn more and purchase your tickets at TwinCitiesQuorum.com on the events page. That's TwinCitiesQuorum.com. When a drunk driver hit my car, the structural integrity and safety features of my Toyota Sienna saved my life. I will always own one. That's it. That's the ad. I don't think I need to add anything else, but I'll gladly mention their sales team is attentive and friendly. Their service department is the best in the state and their vehicles. You can put a lot of faith in the quality and safety of a Toyota vehicle. The structural integrity and safety features of my Toyota Sienna saved my life. I will always own one. That says it all. Rudy Luther Toyota, five miles west of Minneapolis on 394. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for rain tonight with a low around 46, Friday more rain with a high near 49, and Saturday partly cloudy with a high around 52. Grab a tray of Cafe Lattes Cafeteria and select from a wide variety of sandwiches, salads, and soups. The bakery features fresh-baked breads, cupcakes, and more, while the pizza and wine bar has gourmet pizzas that pair perfectly with their 30-plus wines by the glass. Located off Victorian Grand at St. Paul or at CafeLatte.com. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Stronghearts Native Helpline. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Join Stronghearts Native Helpline CEO Lori Jump for a virtual event, Let's Talk Empowerment, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on October 17, 2023. Lori will lead an engaging and enlightening conversation on the pressing issues of domestic and sexual violence within Native communities. This event will delve into the crucial intersection between these forms of violence and the significance of culturally specific services and resources. Stronghearts Native Helpline, free, confidential, anonymous, 24-7. Call or text 1-844-762-8483. That's 1-844-7-NATIVE. Or chat online at www.strongheartshelpline.org. Hey, thank you. What a great organization and a great to partner with them again. Hey, before we get to our special guest, I want to uh, just to get an update from the governor of Wisconsin. As you know, we're all over uh, 20 stations uh, on, in Wisconsin. We're on the Civic Media Network. So it's important for us to to, to have the governor of Wisconsin uh, give us a little update every week. So we're proud and happy to uh, play this. Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update. Building strong relationships with the Native nations that call Wisconsin home has been one of my highest priorities. As governor, 
been proud to recognize Indigenous Peoples Days and to issue an, an executive order formally apologizing for the historic role the state played in Indian boarding schools. And together we've worked to advance projects to expand affordable housing on tribal lands, unveiled exciting dual language road signs that feature both English and Indigenous languages, and found avenues to diversify tribal revenue by permitting event wagering along with many other notable achievements. I was also proud to sign a state budget that makes critical investments in the strength and well-being of Native nations and indigenous communities across the state through our child care and child welfare, tribal elder food boxes, and funding for tribal veteran services. The budget also includes conservation efforts and funding programming at UW-Green Bay developed with the Oneida Nation to support STEM education camps and provide access to UW-Green Bay's college credit program for students. My commitment has been and will always be to strengthen our government-to-government partnership with the tribal nations and to ensure that experiences and perspective of Native people are always included and respected in our work at the state level. We have much work to do, but I look forward to continuing to work together in the years ahead. Thank you. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Hey, thanks, Governor. Really always great to uh, have your update about the great state of Wisconsin, our neighbor here in Minnesota. Hey, we have a really important guest on today, uh, Shelly Belgard, and we want to jump right into this and talk about this uh, issue the rest of the show. And I want to bring Shelly on and ask her, uh, because we're all related, and I mean, um, when we and Haley and I heard what was going on with Shelley's family? We wanted to make sure uh, that she got a voice out there, and uh, all our listeners. And so, really appreciative to have Shelley come in and talk about this really uh, tough subject. Welcome, uh, Shelley. Thank you, Robert, for having me. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Sound great. Awesome. Um, I just really wanted to say, um, you know, that it's important for me to continue to get my my sister's story out. And um, I know that there's a lot of things that need to happen um, in order to bring justice to her situation. Um, So we can we can start with with what happened. I don't know if um, we want to give people some context. So um, what brings me here today is uh, my my oldest sister, Dewan White Owl also known as Dewan Belgard, um, passed away June 11th in the Red Lake Jail. Um, she was brought in on drug charges, and she was um, very addicted to, to opioids. Um, she has been for some time. And, you know, I, when I share this story, I always wanted to, to tell people that when I found out about my sister being uh, incarcerated or, or put in jail, I mean, I I felt like a sense of uh, like a peace, like, oh, you know, well, this is going to be, you know, a way for her to get help. Um, and that clearly did not happen in her situation. So I will just like start out by saying my sister, um, she died of participated withdrawals uh, on day two or, or excuse me, day three is when they really got bad. And then by day four, the same day that she was taken to IHS in Red Lake, she um, she was sent back to jail 
after being there for two hours and then later passed um, about nine hours. And her health continued to basically decline in that short time. Um, but what I also want people to know is that I, I want to, you know, see um, Red Lake Jail and IHS held accountable for her death. I had uh, many people reach out to me uh, from Red Lake and, and explain their concerns about, you know, my sister's death and how this wasn't the first one. And in fact, I was told, and I don't know, I don't know the facts, but I heard that there, her death was like the fourth or fifth this year. So to me, there's a bigger issue at hand, and it's um, it's something that I just I, it breaks my heart to know that our relatives we're losing our relatives um, in in places like you know jail um, when you think that they would be given the the proper medical attention even if you know just there's this gap that I I pretty much see, and it has a lot to do with you know people that are going in they're not getting the detox and the, the stuff that they need, the medical attention. So we know that it can be very dangerous. And what had happened for my sister is she just had such a high level of fentanyl still in her system when they started her on the subs. So when she went into the IHS, they basically thought they were doing the, the right thing by giving her, you know, the, the subs, methadone, suboxone. And clearly, um, that puts you into a really bad place if you do have a lot of opioids still in your system. In fact, that's what ended up essentially killing her. Um, so yeah, just a lot of, uh, I, I just have like a lot of questions of like why and, and how can we do better? Yeah. Um, so have any of your questions been answered? And I think uh, that's, uh, we need a call to action and things like that. So this doesn't happen uh, to anyone else, um, have they answered your questions? Well, um, I know I was really disheartened by the, the, the FBI had an open investigation, um, and they basically ruled it uh, accidental and not criminal. And I mean, I wasn't happy with the ruling, but I just, you know, um, when I heard of that, I was just like, so they're just accidentally killing people over there. You know, it's just okay. And then I found out that the BIA had also an open investigation and they were waiting for the, the FBI's ruling. But I can't imagine that, you know, either investigation, whether it's at the, the BIA level or um, the Fed level, I just don't think that there's anything that's screaming, you know, this needs to be changed. There's no urgency. Um, we know that the numbers are there. People are dying, but... There's no real, I don't know, um, call to action. So thank you, Robert. I yeah, how can we help? I mean, it, it, this is a story that, like you said, uh, allegedly at least that we know of, there's more people that passed away uh, in the jail, and we don't want that to happen. So uh, what recourse and what what can we do, I see or one of our listeners, Santino, is saying civil court uh, negligence. Uh, I mean, there's that and there's a lot of other things, but I, I'd like to be respectful and uh, to you and your family and um, get a call to action that's, uh, that's good for you and your family. What can we do? I think we could bring, like, more attention to this situation. I mean, we have, 
you know, representation with our missing and murdered Indigenous women and and every child matters. But I think what we really need to do as a community is is think of similar issues like this happening behind the scenes that we we don't clearly are aren't always hearing those stories. And so for me, it's important to share her story because this isn't just happening on Red Lake. This is happening across Indian country and not even just on reservations. This is happening in just regular jails. Um, so for me, it would be, you know, I don't know how we do this. Uh, I just know that they're not the training that um, I basically, what I've, what I've seen from what happened to my sister is there is a lack. There's a lack of, of training and education around opioid um, and, and a response. Um, I was really disheartened by some of the things that I had to, to hear um, in regards to my sister's passing from other inmates. But I have a first witness, her daughter. My niece was locked up with her mom and my niece had to like literally plead every five, 10 minutes for them to take her mom and, and they wouldn't listen. So that alone, you know, is just really heartbreaking. But that that trauma um, was kind of experienced by everybody who was incarcerated with my sister. They didn't really, you know, move my the women into a, another space like they had a protocol. They didn't follow it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that really upset me was as I found out that, you know, um, when she was found unresponsive, all the women in the jail were brought into the holding space where she was on a mat, pretty much already, already, you know, not breathing. Mm. And it was the other women at that time that like notified the, the guards and the nurse that, you know, hey, you need to get in here. And from what I was told, um, the security guards of Red Lake Jail didn't know how to perform CPR and the nurse stood by and watched. They basically performed, yeah, a little bit and then they called it quits. There was no life-saving measures done, no defibrillator, no Narcan, no nothing. So I just feel like they could have done better if they actually had a process set up. Well, that's interesting. And I think maybe uh, we can talk a little bit more about that because, again, um, drug addicts, Native Americans are treated subhuman, and we really need to talk about that. And let's talk a little bit more with that. Where would Shelley... Belgard and Belgard, and she's really speaking courageously about uh, situation with her sister up in Red Lake Jail, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more. So, this is like uh, Shantia just said, "What this is unacceptable," and so let's talk more about this. We appreciate you uh, speaking your truth, and we're going to be right back. This is Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake. Getting bus and train information in your language just got easier. Customers who call Metro Transit at 612-373-3333 are able to select language options at the start of the call. Access Next Trip, their automated real-time schedule information tool and other Metro Transit assistance by calling 612-373-3333. For more information about other transit informational tools, visit metrotransit.org slash tools. In recognition of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, this message is brought to you by Strong Hearts Native Helpline, a culturally appropriate domestic and sexual violence helpline for Native American and Alaska Natives. 
Advocates provide free support and advocacy 24-7. Call or text 1-844-762-8483, that's 1-844-7-NATIVE, or chat online at strongheartshelpline.org. Safe, anonymous, confidential, 24-7. Join Twin Cities Quorum as they celebrate their 30th annual National Coming Out Day luncheon. This inspirational and transformational event gives voice to the power of living openly, honestly, and with authenticity at work, in our families, and in our faith, and across our lives. The realities of living an authentic life are deeper than just being out. We all have many layers of identity, and we must work together to create a world where people can bring their whole self to everything they do. The National Coming Out Day Luncheon serves as a celebration of who we are individually and together. Reserve your tickets today for Friday, October 13th. This year's National Coming Out Day Luncheon will be at the Minneapolis Convention Center in Minneapolis. The Marketplace Expo opens at 10 a.m., and the luncheon will begin at 11.45. Tickets are available to members for $60.00 or non-members for $75. Learn more and purchase your tickets at TwinCitiesQuorum.com on the events page. That's TwinCities, Q-U-O-R-U-M.com. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? Good one. Hey, uh, we are here uh, with uh, Shelly uh, Belgard, and we are, um, and uh, Haley and I were uh, messaging back and forth, and Haley, uh, share with what you messaged me because uh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, Shelly, I just got to say a big pina gigi for coming on here and speaking your truth with us. I know I met you for the first time out at the Four Sisters Farmers Market um, a few weeks ago. And and same thing, you know, you were telling us a story that you're telling all of our listeners right now. And I seriously remember just sitting there like tearful, tear, tearly, tears in my eyes. And, you know, I just could not believe that that was the first time we had been hearing about this from you. You know, and not hearing about this on the news or anything like that, especially if there was, you know, other victims that this has happened to specifically at the Red Lake Jail or, you know, other tribal jails in the country or in the state. But, I mean, no Narcan and, and no one knowing how to do CPR. I mean, who who are who do they have in these jails to work? I mean, who are they employing? That is a great question. You know, um, I want to believe that they have, you know, training. Like there's a part of me that wants to believe that, but we didn't see it. And I have to like wonder if if she was just being treated as um, a, a drug dealer. I mean, like we all know that when you get arrested, they see you and view you as a criminal. But I think like with her, I think it was a little bit different. Not being from Red Lake, we're from North Dakota. So we're affiliated with Standing Rock, Turtle Mountain, and MHA. But we grew up around... Um, up northern Minnesota around Red Lake. So I've always, you know, thought of um, my fellow Red Lake members as like extended Teoshpae, right? They were, they were our family and they were like the only natives that we were really um, close to. Uh, well, and White Earth, I should say. But, you know, I think the real issue here at hand with even, even with uh, addiction is, is, um, 
is not seeing them as addicts. So I'm going to kind of like bring my little holistic uh, health practitioner and, and healer side um, through now and just just know that we have our we have work to do. A lot of our people struggle with this and a lot of um, other relatives that are non-native struggle with this. But I guess I, what I want to try to get at here is addiction. Um, when you look at somebody as whole and complete, a very holistic way, you understand that, you know, addiction is, is just, uh, it's one of those things that manifests. And it manifests from, from pain and trauma that's like buried. And so when I, when I look at our relatives that are, are struggling, I, I look at it as our relatives just need healing. They need to go deeper. And a lot of the time it requires, um, it requires a lot of inner work and it's, it's not an easy process, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. But I think that we need to really begin with uh, looking at our relatives that are struggling with this as, as whole and complete, and then go from there and unpack some of that trauma. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, um, you know, treating people as people, meeting them where they're, where, uh, where they're at, um, our trauma um, is, runs so deep, and other people's trauma too. I mean, I've been sober coming up here on 39 years, um, clean and sober, uh, no drugs, no alcohol, and there was a there's a lot of lot of things going on. I've seen people not make it, and a lot of it has to do with not dealing with their trauma. and And uh, you're as sick as your secrets, and uh, and we need to to have our hands open and um, have people uh, it, have it be normalized that healing's okay. Absolutely. And we all can use a little bit of healing in our lives. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, so we got like uh, another five minutes or so on the show here, but I really, uh, I, I really want uh, some sort of call to action where we can do something to help in this situation. And what, what is your suggestion? Um, is uh, call Red Lake to do some. Uh, do some of your own, uh, you know, investigation. What can our listeners do? Um, that's a great question. I think, yeah, a call to action to to really. I would love to see one happen in Red Lake, where we 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 go out there as a community um, and and just kind of show our concerns because I feel like I just feel like um, what I've experienced is. Um, I just feel like when, when I did try to get our, my sister's story out, so there was a few news um, platforms that I utilized. But, you know, what I, what I experienced was, you know, the tribe coming back and trying to, you know, paint this as a picture of, oh, you know, these are big-time opioid drug dealers who are going to release fentanyl on our community. So I know that I wasn't met, like, meant or met with you know, um, any compassion or understanding around my sister's death. And I really think like the leaders in Red Lake need to um, probably see us physically yeah. together. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, really good thing, too. And they've had all this publicity lately with their uh, marijuana and uh, stores and things like that. And uh, 
you know, it's good for economic development, but we also have to follow through in a good way. Uh, how are we treating our relatives and and meeting people as people in where they're where they're at? You know, there's no such. You know, I taught high school for thirty years, and I've never. There's no such thing as a bad student or bad person. You have to meet them where they're at, and there's things that have happened over the years that have 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 affected people and we have to be more compassionate and we have to just can't come in there with guns ablazing and um and with just general blanket statements and feelings about people so i mean if nothing else our listeners can be reminded of that because i know we have a lot of compassionate people listening to this show and uh so it, it, this is this is a this is a hard show, Shelley. This is really what we need to talk these talk about the healing and what our community can do better and the whole community. Yeah. And you know, I I always envision this a beautiful like holistic residential inpatient treatment facility. You know, we need something like that for our families. We really mm-hmm. do. And um if I ever get the chance to, I would definitely open one in, in honor of my sister and her um, her Indian name, her Lakota Indian name was um, a woman who walks in good health. Mm. And I don't have it written down, so I can't say it in Lakota. But I will mm. say that I would um, definitely honor her and lift up and try to help as many relatives who are struggling with the same thing that she struggled with. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'd love to have you on again and uh, get updates and and keep this in the forefront of uh, of our listeners' uh, ears and and uh, and remembrance. And, and this was a person, and the other people that were there are people that had families that are connected, and um, they need need to be re- uh, remembered. So I appreciate you coming on, Shelley. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Robert. Okay, well, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, Haley, uh, heavy show, but definitely well worth it. I mean, people going Mm -hmm. through things that are unimaginable for us. So um, great to have Shelly on and talk her, talk uh, her truth and her story to us. Absolutely, and thank you, Shelly Pinagigi. Right on. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops, the ground in which we stand on. It's sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office, vote. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now. Now.